Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Colin Urquhart. I stand before you this morning alive and well. Why should I need to say that? Well, I went on the Kingdom Faith website yesterday to uh, download some material and I couldn't find what I wanted at first and so as I began to search through the various items I came across one that said Colin Urquhart's death obituary (laughs) so I thought this is interesting (laughs) so when I clicked on this it spoke of my death the author of Anything you ask and in Christ Jesus has died. Uh, And then I discovered subsequently uh, another one about Colin Urquhart's wife, who will now be running Kingdom Faith after her husband's death because she has a particular gift in music. (laughs) Somebody is making mischief. Our experts will discover how that has happened and will deal with it because they're very good at at preserving the integrity of our site. But um, things like that don't faze me at all, don't surprise me at all. Back in the uh, 1970s when I was Anglican vicar and we were uh, experiencing revival in my church in Luton, one day Caroline received a telephone call and the caller said I'm so sorry to hear about your husband's death well I was in my early 30s I was very much alive and we were enjoying revival you see the devil is a liar and he wants to spread words of death there was a wonderful man of God I'm not going to mention names who came uh, and ministered at faith camp a few years ago had a great healing ministry and evangelistic ministry and word was put around that he had died and he said in his testimony that it took two years for his ministry to recover because obviously people thought he had died therefore they weren't inviting him and his whole ministry was traveling he didn't have a church to minister to the devil is a liar and the devil has tried to kill me on a number of occasions uh, once uh, in, when I was ministering in South Africa he sent someone to shoot me during uh, a meeting but he was spotted with with the gun and all I knew about it at the time was this man being dragged out and of course he was delivered of demonic possession it's a great life to serve the Lord hallelujah <laughs> there's uh, another occasion when somebody wrote to all the uh, spiritual leaders in the nation to try to undermine my ministry with a whole pack of lies about me. And I only discovered this because one of them wrote to me and said, so-and-so has written this, and I know you well enough. I can't really believe these things are true of you. And I wrote back and said, no, none of them are true. And, you know, one of the things when you're in the limelight as a Christian leader is that um, from time to time people say all kinds of untrue things circulate untrue things about you the sad thing is that sometimes people believe them Uh, and uh, they don't come back and check now is this true is this what you believe is this what you said I picked up books that um, have spoken against me because I believe so and so and so and so and so and so and I don't believe those things at all somebody actually wrote a whole book against my ministries as far as I know nobody bought it uh, I'm sure the Lord would not, would not have blessed it. All this is just leading into what we're going to talk about this morning, you see, because we don't have to fear anything. Because we're under the protection of the Lord. We're under the protection of the Lord because we belong to him. We are his, 
I am his child. He is responsible for me. So he is going to love me, care for me, protect me, provide for me. And the same is true for you. Now, of course, in a strange way, that statement that I've found on the internet is true. I have died. And so have you. We were crucified with Christ, and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. The life we now live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God. Now, in continuing this series on prayer, I'm going to speak to you this morning about the real essence of prayer, the very foundation of prayer. You won't get very far in prayer if you consider it to be an activity. Prayer is not something you do. Prayer is a relationship. And it's a relationship of love. Of love for God, love for others, as we pray for them and seek God's will and purpose for them. But we can only love because God has first loved us. And the reason why we don't need to fear anything or any fear of the opposition or anything that the enemy would try to do to us is because we are kept in the love of God. Now, when Jesus was speaking to the disciples at the Last Supper, he said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now continue to live in my love. And he then went on to explain what that meant, leading up to this statement, and then the Father will give you whatever you ask in prayer. Now, that's the kind of prayer life we all want. That God will give us whatever we ask in prayer. That promise comes out of this relationship of love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, most of you here will know that God loves you. And, of course, you are profoundly and deeply thankful for his love. And if you know God's love, you want others to know his love. So you want to make him known to others. You can say to people, God loves you. It's a true statement. But of course they don't really understand what it means. Because until you experience God's love for yourself, you only have experience of human love, which is based either on emotion or desire. So if I said to you, please describe to me the love of God. Now, what would you say? How would you define, how would you describe God's love so that people would perceive that it is totally different from other kinds of love. Most of you will know that in the New Testament there is a particular word used in the original Greek, agape, 
which describes the love of God as opposed to other kinds of love, human love, emotional love, relationship love, uh, sexual love, and so on. It's like a technical word for God's love. But what is the nature of this love? The first way in which we experience this love is through God's mercy. Now, you can't describe the love of God without talking about the mercy of God. God's mercy has been revealed through all that Jesus has done for us, through his crucifixion and resurrection. We know that through the shedding of his blood, we have forgiveness of sin. And when we pray for our sins to be forgiven, we are actually calling upon the mercy of God. What the mercy of God does is to cancel out all the negatives that Jesus dealt with and overcame on the cross. So not only forgiveness, but healing is a work of God's mercy. You remember that in the ministry of Jesus, Bartimaeus, the blind man, for example, cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. He recognized that the healing that he needed would be a work of God's mercy. That God would be able, through Jesus, to deal with the negative because of his love. Whenever we pray, the question always is how dependent are we on the love of God? Our faith in his love, our faith in his mercy. So when we confess our sins, we don't wait for some experience or feeling or even a word from God to say that we're forgiven. We believe what the scripture says, that we only have to pray, we only have to ask for forgiveness, and he forgives us. The only stipulation that Jesus made, and he made this on a number of occasions, is that if we expect God to be merciful to us and to forgive us, then we are to be merciful to others and to forgive others. So Jesus teaches, blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Every day of my life, I thank God for his mercy. The scripture says his mercies are new every morning and every day we need God's mercy because none of us lives in perfection. Made perfect in Christ, but we don't actually reveal and exhibit that perfection uh, completely in our lives. So every day of my life, I need the mercy of God. And I know it's no use praying for anything else or anywhere else unless I first lay hold of that mercy and that I can come before the throne of God as one who has been forgiven and cleansed and made whole and totally acceptable in God's sight because that is what his mercy does. That is what the cleansing of his blood actually accomplishes. And we're told when we pray to draw near to God, to draw near to the throne of grace. And there we will find what? First, mercy. And then grace to help us in our time of need. 
You cannot encounter God in any way without immediately being aware of your need of mercy. Because he is so much greater, so much more wonderful than we are. And you see, this is the measure of his love. That when we mess up, when we sin, when we fail him, when we've grieved him, he does not punish us because Jesus bore the punishment we deserve on the cross. He doesn't scold us. He doesn't beat us. He doesn't discipline us even. He doesn't throw us out of the kingdom. He simply forgives us. And you see, that is how he expects us to retaliate to others. So whoever put that stuff on the website yesterday, I forgive him her or whoever. No problem. I feel sorry for that person. They're deceived, they're deluded, and obviously they're doing the devil's work, not God's work. But we, all the time, every day of our lives, are to be merciful because every day of our lives, God is being merciful to us. And one of the things that I believe grieves God more than anything is when Christians take offense because of what others have said or done and even leave churches in offense. I think that is so grievous to the Lord because, of course, what we are to do, even if people hurt us, even if they have done something against us, like all the things I've, I've mentioned, it's for us to forgive, not to judge, not to condemn, not to withhold forgiveness, but to forgive. And Jesus talks about needing to go sometimes to one another and to ask for forgiveness. And sometimes people come to me and they ask for forgiveness. They say, oh, I'm sorry, I, I disagree with that or I judged you for this, that and the other. Please forgive me. And my answer to them is, I already have. You see, because when I became aware of the situation, I forgave them even before they asked. And this is what God wants us to do, to have merciful hearts. Let me tell you, a merciful heart will be a praying heart. And a merciful heart will be a compassionate heart. Such a person will have compassion for others and will want others to know the mercy and, and, and the love of God in their lives, no matter who they are, no matter what their situation, no matter even if they're your enemies. Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who hate you and hurt you and use you in, in a despiteful manner. Pray for them. Love them. How do you love them? You're merciful towards them. You don't judge them. You don't condemn them. Beloved, if we don't do this, we're undermining our own prayer lives because Jesus said, whenever you pray, you must forgive any who have wronged you in any way. It's, it's, it's not an option. It's an absolute necessity. So we are praying and expecting the mercy of God to touch our lives and the mercy of God, therefore, to touch the lives of other people as we pray for them. Because we want not only to be set free from all the negative things that, that uh, spoil our lives, but we want to see other people set free from the negative things that spoil their lives. So we can't talk about the love of God without talking about the mercy of God. And we can't talk about praying in love without praying with mercy. Now, just as love is the gateway to God's mercy, so mercy is the gateway to God's love, or to God's grace. And if we talk about the love of God, we can't do that without talking about his mercy, and we can't do that without talking about his grace. Now, just as his mercy deals with all the negative things, so by his grace, he gives us all the positive things. Just consider for a moment what God has already done for you 
and what he has already made you. You are now a child of God if you have been born again. That is a work of his grace. It's a work of his mercy because you could not become a child of God until first you were forgiven. But it's also a work of grace. Nobody can ever deserve to become a child of God. Nobody can ever earn that privilege. Nobody can ever do anything to make themselves a child of God. It is completely a work of God's mercy and of God's grace. Now, this raises an interesting question. When did God begin to love you? You see, do you think he, loved, he began to love you when you were born again and you began to have a relationship with him? The answer is clearly no, because you could not have been born again unless he loved you before you were born again. Uh, he loved you even before the creation of the world, the, the scripture says. But he, you know, from even before your conception and from the moment of your conception, God loved you. And uh, you never can do anything to earn his love, nor do you have to, because he loves you simply because he loves you. If anybody asks the question, you know, why does God love me or why does God love you? The, the only answer is, he loves me because he loves me. He loves me because he is love. He loves me because he is merciful. He loves me because he is gracious. He's given me, he's given you the gift of his Holy Spirit. Spirit of God lives within you. That's his grace. He's given you the gift of the kingdom. The kingdom is within you, Jesus says. That's grace. Everything God has done for you is a work of his grace. He's taken hold of your life, put you into Christ. He has blessed you in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's his grace. That's the measure of his grace. His grace is so great that he has already blessed you with every blessing that heaven has. So you can say that's the measure of his grace for you or you can say that's the measure of his love for you. Because both those statements are true. It shows how merciful he has been to you, shows how gracious he has been to you, shows how much he loves you. Now there's a key verse of scripture in, in Jeremiah where God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness have I drawn you. If we were to describe God's love, we'd have to say this is a love that unlike human love is totally consistent. It is always the same. It is always perfect love. Every moment of every day. God's love never changes. God's love is never partial. God's love is never compromised. God loves me. God loves you with the same love irrespective of what I have done, irrespective of whether I've pleased him. If I please him, he loves me. If I displease him, he still loves me. He still loves me with the same love, the everlasting love, the unchanging love. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So his love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And to me, this is the most amazing thing, that it doesn't matter how much I fail God, how much sometimes I dishonor God in, in, in what I think or what I say or what I do, his love for me never changes. His love for you never changes. What is repentance? Repentance really is returning to the revelation of how great his love is for you. And he washes away all the filth. He washes away all the failure. He washes away all the negatives with his mercy. And he imparts afresh all the blessings of his grace. 
So whenever we pray, you see, whether we're praying for a situation in our own lives, whether we're praying for a situation in someone else's life, we always depend upon the love of God, upon the mercy of God, or the grace of God. Whatever we're asking God to do, we're asking him to exercise his mercy or his grace. Now, there's another key scripture in Isaiah where God says that there is no need for us to fear. Why? Perfect love casts out all fear. That's why I began as I did talking about those situations. Don't need to be afraid. Why? Because the God who loves me loves me with a perfect love. And this is why he says 366 times in Scripture, fear not. Because the God who loves you, amen, watches over you, cares for you, is, is responsible for you, and is aware of what you're doing and what your circumstances are every moment of every day. So this scripture from Isaiah 43 says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, and you are mine. Now those three words are some of the most precious words in scripture. God is reminding you this morning, you are mine. You don't even belong to yourself. You don't belong to your family. First and foremost, you belong to me. You are my child. You are my son. You are my daughter. Therefore, we have the greatest of all privileges to actually belong to God. But we belong to him in that everlasting love, a love that will never fade, a love that will never change, a love that will never end. This is the amazing nature of this love. It's the amazing nature of his mercy. It's the amazing nature of his grace. Beloved, you have to be mindful of these things when you pray. Not just assume them, not just to take these things for granted. When you pray, you are calling upon the love of God. You are calling upon the mercy of God. You're calling upon the grace of God. So the whole of the emphasis you see in Scripture is not to fix our our eyes on ourselves or our problems or the situation or our need, but to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because if our eyes are fixed on Jesus, then our eyes are fixed on love. Our eyes are fixed on the merciful one. Our eyes are fixed on the gracious one. And you see, when you pray, your eyes must be fixed on Jesus, not on the situation, not on the circumstances. It's no use describing to God all the circumstances because you're actually undermining your prayer because you're, you're showing that your faith is in your circumstances because Jesus said from the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks so if you speak about your problems it's because your faith is in your problems but if you speak about the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God then your faith is in him your faith is in his love your faith is in his mercy your faith is in his grace I'm talking to you about a prayer life that works. You have a relationship with God in his love, in his mercy, in his grace, 24-7. All day, every day. I do a lot of my praying at night. But the same God of, of, of love, of mercy and grace is always waiting for me in the prayer room. He's always there before I am. Uh, he's pleased to see me because... We have an appointment every night to, to fellowship together. And, and you see, this is the point. Prayer is not an exercise to get from God what I need for myself or for others. Prayer expresses this great truth, Lord, I am yours. I belong to you. I'm your child. 
You have shown me your love. You have shown me your mercy. You have shown me your grace. And I know, therefore, that as your child, you want me to prosper in every way so that I can fulfill the plan and purpose that you have for my life. This is a love like no other love. This is a love that far exceeds even, even the best of human love. My wife and I have been married for 55 years. We love one another, but the love of God is so much greater, transcends our love for one another, like you could never explain, you could never put it into words. Perfect love. You see, those who focus on the situation and their feelings and their experiences easily get deceived by the devil because the devil says, you know, if God loved you, this wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have happened. Why, if God loves you, has he let this take place and that take place? And people, they're suckers, you know, if they listen to stuff like that. Because that is the enemy who is opposed to the love of God, who is trying to undermine faith in the love of God. Whereas the scripture tells us that in all things, God works together for our good. Why? Because he loves us. In all things. It doesn't mean that all things that happen to you are for your good. He's the great redeemer and he can turn situations that seem to be really bad, he can turn them right around and cause good to come out of them. But in every situation, he's working for your good. Why? Because he loves you. You need healing. He's working for your good even now. He wants you to come to that place of faith in his mercy and in his grace, not to focus on the need, but to focus on him, to focus on his love, to focus on the victory he's already won for you on the cross so that you can apply that victory to your life. But all the time, you see, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And so all the time, he is working for your good. He is working for your good. I didn't go into all the details of, of that guy that was sent by the enemy to shoot me, but... If, if I told you the whole story, you can see how God in that situation was working for my good. So there's nothing to fear because I believe that God loves me. I believe that every day of my life, God is merciful to me. I wish I hadn't failed God as much as I have failed him. But my past failure doesn't define me. You see, because my past failure doesn't exist. If I sinned against the Lord yesterday, that no longer exists. Because when God forgives us, he cancels out the sin, so it no longer exists. That's why to judge someone for their past sin is, is so offensive to God, because as far as he's concerned, that sin doesn't exist. You're judging someone for something that doesn't exist. So God wants us to be merciful as he is merciful. But to understand that I'm not defined by my past. The only thing that matters in your life today is your relationship with God today. And that you keep your focus on him so that he can lead you step by step in the way that he wants you to go. As you walk together with him in the fellowship of his love. So let me, as we just draw this to a close, let me remind you of the scripture that I began with. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. How do you think the Father loved Jesus? Do you think he loved him perfectly? Do you think he cared for him, protected him? You know, they tried to kill him many, many times before the cross. And he only went to the cross because he willingly surrendered himself to them not because he was forced. Remember, those who came to arrest him all fell down before his glory. He could just have walked away, but no, this was the time 
for him to make that loving sacrifice on our behalf so that instead of punishing us, we could know the mercy of God, the grace of God, and we could live in the love of God. The only way in which it's possible for us to respond to this love in a meaningful way is to seek to love others as he has loved us. And that's, that's what he goes on to explain. Between this statement, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, and the promise that God will give us whatever we ask in prayer, he talks about loving one another. That as he has loved us, so we are to love one another. Think for a moment. How did, love, how did the Father love Jesus perfectly? How did Jesus love his disciples perfectly? That same love is the same is, is the love that God poured into your heart with the Holy Spirit. What does God want you to do to love one another perfectly? How can we do that or as perfectly as it's possible for us to do that? Only by being merciful, only by being gracious. Being merciful, as Paul said, love keeps no record of wrongs. We always forgive, always forgive, always merciful, always compassionate. Always full of grace. What does that mean? We live to give. Grace is what God gives to those who deserve nothing. So we live to give to others. We live to be merciful to others. We live to give to others. And what, this, what Jesus teaches us is whatever you give to them, you give to me, he says. You give to your brother, you give to your sister, you're giving to Jesus. Whatever you do for them, you do for him. So we have this kind of, of knock-on effect. So how is your prayer going to be effective? Your prayer is going to be effective within the context in which you pray. You pray as one who belongs to the Father. You pray for one who has been fully redeemed and made acceptable in God's sight. You pray as one who is loved perfectly. You pray as one who, to whom God is merciful all the time, to whom God has already been so gracious because he's given you everything that he has and he wants you by faith to lay hold of all the gifts of his wonderful grace. And therefore, because you are so thankful to him for his love and for his mercy and for his grace, therefore you want to express that love to others. Therefore you're always willing and ready to be merciful to others. Therefore you're always ready to give to others. Therefore you're, already, you're always ready to give out of a generous heart to the Lord and to others. This is the love of God. This is the love that makes prayer effective. Can you understand that effective prayer is always the prayer of love? It's the prayer of faith, but it's faith in God's love. The motto of kingdom faith has always been since its inception Faith working through love. Because faith without love means we're just like noisy gongs, clanging cymbals. But when it's faith in love, it's faith in God, because he is love. Now, if there was more time, I could go on to speak about the other quality that is very much a part of this, and that is that God's love is a holy love. God is holy, God is love. It's a pure love. Now, holiness is more than purity. But purity is actually a key element of love, of, of holiness. And it is the fervent prayer of the righteous that avails much. And that's why we need that cleansing of the blood to
to actually keep our hearts pure before God, our minds pure before God. Pure heart and a pure mind are one and the same. You know, you hear me say sometimes that the scripture forbids us to examine ourselves, to look at ourselves. And the reason for that is you can never see the truth about yourself because the heart is deceitful above all things. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal to us those areas of impurity that God needs to deal with. And so in our prayer life, in our relationship with God, the mercy and the grace are always central. But alongside that, God works within our hearts to keep us pure before him so that we can draw near to him in his holiness. And we can know that from the throne of God, the life of God and the power of God will flow through our lives and will flow through our prayer into the lives of other people. Praise God for that wonderful, precious blood that keeps us pure and holy before God. Where would we be without that blood? Apart from him, we can do nothing. How completely dependent upon the blood we are. And that's why in times of revival, you find that central to all the teaching and worship that goes on is praise to God for that precious blood. So, beloved ones, You can read books that tell you how to pray, the mechanics of praying in different ways. They can be helpful if they're based upon the truth of God's word. But the heart of prayer is what I've spoken to you about this morning, that relationship of love. And if you want to be more effective in prayer, the best thing that you can do is to focus on your relationship of love for God. Because the closer you draw to him in his love, the closer you allow him to draw you to him in his love because you belong to him and you are his, the more effective you will be in prayer. You see, if you understand these simple truths, you don't need a long course of lectures on how to pray. You just need the love of the Father and for you to relate to him through Jesus in that wonderful love. Do that and everything else will follow. Shall we all stand? I want you to be still, or you are already still, as stillness of the Lord's presence in this place this morning. Because he is here in his love, And the Lord's been saying to me these last few days that his purpose is not simply for you to hear a message about his love, but for his love to impact your heart afresh this morning. Can you thank him for his love? Speak to him. Don't just stand there thinking thoughts. Mouth words. You don't have to speak them so loud that others around you can hear, but speak words. Let your lips move. Don't pray in tongues. Pray in your own language at this moment. When you pray with thanksgiving, you pray in your own language. Thank him that he loves you.
You are a child of his love. So thank him that you belong to him. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body, the scripture says. God is a jealous God. What does that mean? It means that you are his and he will not let anybody else have you. You are his. His child, his son, his daughter. Thank him that because he is your father, he is responsible for you. The father is responsible for the child. The child isn't responsible for the father. Most of you have brought up children or are bringing up children and you know that's the truth. The father is responsible for the child. The child isn't responsible for the father. The child has to be responsible to the father but not for the father. So thank God now that he's responsible for you. He takes his responsibilities seriously. Which is why he promises he will never fail you, he will never forsake you. This is why he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his blood. That he's merciful to you every day. Thank him that that blood washes away all the impurity. All the sin. All the failure. Thank him that you're a child of God by his grace. That his grace is made perfect. His power is made perfect in your weakness because of his grace. Thank him that you can depend upon him and in his grace he will never fail you. He never fails those who depend upon him. Thank him that in all things, all things, he works together for your good. Even in the things you haven't understood, why they've happened, you haven't wanted them to happen. You may even have wondered why God allowed them to happen. But in all those things, God is working for your good. So thank him now. And why don't you pray for, Lord, I want a fresh anointing on my prayer life. I want my prayer life to come out of this relationship of love that you have for me and that I have for you. And I want to be able to pray with that same love for all the people that I pray for. That just as your love enfolds me day by day, so your love will enfold them. And just as you work for good in my life, so you will work for good in their lives. Simply because I hold them before your love, before your mercy, 
before your grace. And I believe that through your mercy and your grace, your power is released into their lives to meet the needs in their lives. And I praise you, Lord. Just turn your thanksgiving into praise now. That's when you can speak in your own language or in tongues. But just praise him. Praise him for this wonderful love. Hallelujah. This love that never changes. This everlasting love that is the same yesterday, today and forever. Hallelujah. Now, just before we finish, I'm not going to spend long doing this, but just very, very briefly. Perhaps there's been a need that you've been praying about, maybe a healing need, maybe some other kind of need, and you realize your focus has been on the need. And you keep talking about the need, keep praying about the need. And the more you prayed about the need, the less seems to happen to meet the need. So right now, forget the need, just focus on Jesus. Focus on the Father. Focus on his love. And say, Lord, I cast all my cares upon you, for you care for me. That is your word. I cast this care upon you. It's no longer my problem, it's your problem. I don't have a problem, I only have an answer, and his name is Jesus. All the problems are on you, Lord, and you know how to deal with them all. So I thank you for the resolution of these situations in my life, in the lives of others for whom I've been praying. I thank you, Lord, that in your love, through your mercy, by your grace, your power is released into my life, into their lives, that you will be glorified by doing whatever we ask in the precious name of Jesus. And we give you all the glory. Can you give the God the glory? Hallelujah. Now, should there be anyone here this morning that doesn't know that love personally, then after we close in just a moment, just come forward here because there'll be some guys here, some men, some ladies, willing to talk to you, to pray with you, to answer any questions, to help you. Because we want you to know this wonderful love. Because there is no other love like the love of God. So we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.